Hello there, our dear listeners. Welcome to the HSK Student Pod. This is Richard, your host from the HSK Tech team. Thank you for joining us on episode 19 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. I cannot believe it's time with a beautiful sunny weather. It's been really a tough and challenging academic year, but we have all been determined to keep pushing and I'm glad to say here we are in the summer weather with the smiles on our faces and you are now listening to the HSK Student Pod episode 19. This is the last episode for this academic year. We shall then have a short break and return back in September. As usual, I don't want to let you down. I have special guests lined up for you who are going to share wonderful messages with us and I hope you enjoy this episode. First, we have an introduction message from Karen Atkinson, our Associate Dean for Learning, Teaching and Student Experience. Karen is going to give us some general news and updates on what's going on in the school. I now hand you over to Karen. Hello everyone, this is Karen, your Associate Dean Learning, Teaching and Student Experience. Welcome to episode 19 of the HSK Student Podcast. Well, we've almost made it to the end of the 2020-21 academic year. And what a year it's been. Some students have finished for the moment, some have completed their programmes altogether, while others continue to study and be on placement. Both students and staff have been extremely busy for the whole year, and most recently with assessments and marking, plus lots of simulation activities. We're now in the process of reviewing all programmes to take the best of all the changes in learning and teaching that have been made as a result of COVID-19 and to incorporate these into our practice going forward to make our teaching as flexible and accessible as possible. This is happening all across the university as part of an initiative called Hearts Learning. In July, we had a brilliant learning and teaching conference entitled Embracing Diversity and Change. Staff presented some excellent work on blended and flexible learning and also projects and research involving and working with our students from culturally and ethnically diverse backgrounds. It was particularly good to hear about students getting involved and helping to carry out research alongside staff members. Talking about research, this edition of the podcast has research as its focus. I really hope you enjoy listening to our student and staff contributors. They'll be talking about the benefits of research-based placements and internships and the importance of research in practice and in education. It's crucial to be reading the up-to-date work that's going on in your profession so that you can provide your patients and clients with the best possible care. Also in July, we had the chance for celebrations with staff and students being nominated for our HSK Dean's Awards. Although we had to run the award ceremony online, it was a lovely event. So many fantastic nominations that showed us the enormous amount of excellent work and activities carried out in the school. It was so hard for the panel to choose the winners and highly commended recipients. Some of the nominations were incredibly moving and showed the care and consideration our staff and students have for each other and for the wider community. Many nominees were able to carry out these activities 
even when experiencing stressful personal circumstances. With research in mind, just to mention a group of students who won an award for their work in a collaborative research project undertaken with staff. We recently received the National Student Survey results. This is the survey that's filled in by our third year students every year about their overall experience on their whole programme. Staff teams are examining these results at the moment in order to build on good practice and to act on feedback to enable current students to have an even better experience. We take all of the feedback that we get from you really seriously and act on it. In general, the school did very well in the survey in relation to the university generally and the university sector more widely. In the next episode, we'll tell you about some new members of staff who are coming on board. They're going to be making up the Student Success and Academic Skills team. Their role is going to be especially to support you in your academic skills, enabling you to build your confidence so that everyone can perform to their very best ability. I hope to be able to interview these new members of staff so that you can hear about the sort of work that they'll be doing with your staff teams and with you. Well, I think that's almost enough from me for now. We are evaluating this podcast to see what you, our listeners, want. If you have a few minutes, we'd love it if you could complete our short questionnaire. The link can be found on your programme sites, on the school site, and you may also have seen the special notification messages that have been sent out. It only remains for me to say goodbye for now, and I hope you're able to enjoy the summer and get some rest and relaxation where you can. Spend time with your loved ones and recharge your batteries for the next academic year. So bye for now and see you next time. Thank you, Karen, for that before introduction and for sharing with us the important news plus keeping us up to date on what's going on in the school. Thank you, Karen. As a student in the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire, do you know what a student research placement is and the various opportunities this type of placement can give you? For this month's student success stories, we have for our guests Gloria Skepech, a final year student on the BSc Adult Nursing Program. We've got Dr. Joe Brooks, a UH senior lecturer and a nurse at List Hospital in Stevenage. We've also got Professor Natalie Patson, a UH senior lecturer and a nurse at List Hospital in Stevenage. Joe, Natalie and Gloria are going to share a brief message with us on what a student research placement is and the benefits of having this type of placement. I now hand you over to Gloria, Joe and Natalie. Hello everyone and welcome to the HSK Student Pod. With us we have Professor Natalie Pattison and Joe Brooks. Hi everyone, how are you? Very well, thanks very much Gloria. Oh good, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. So I'm Professor Natalie Pattison, I'm Clinical Professor of Nursing at the University of Hertfordshire and I also work 50% of the time at Eastern North Hearts NHS Trust 
and I'm a Florence Nightingale Foundation Clinical Professor of Nursing and I am the clinical lead for the Critical Care Recovery Service but I also work to build research capacity and conduct lots of research studies across both institutions so that's me. Wonderful. And I'm Dr Jo Brooks, I'm a consultant gastroenterologist here at Eastern North Hearts Trust but I also am a senior lecturer at the University of Hertfordshire. I do my own research and I run our clinical trials in gastroenterology, specifically focused on inflammatory bowel disease. Welcome both and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to be with us. We're going to talk about research. So in my second year, I had a wonderful research placement at Lister Hospital and at the University of Hertfordshire with Natalie and her team. We thought it would be a good idea to encourage everybody to consider an elective in research. We brought Natalie here so that she can talk to us about having an elective research placement with her team. Natalie, could you tell us more about that? This was something that my colleague, Dr. Lisa Whiting, and I talked about back in 2018. And that's when we ran the very first internship. It was four weeks long and the student nurses were able to work with us across both the university and in the trust. And the idea is really to sort of get people exposed or to expose people to different careers. So not just the ward-based care, but also what else you can do within nursing that can help advance patient care. So we set this internship up that it was a four-week program outlining how you might want to get involved in not only the delivery of research with the research delivery teams and the research nurses and the consultants, but also thinking about conceptualizing research, how you do pieces of research, what the pathways are, learning about methodologies. So that was sort of our original intention. And it was really successful the first year. So we ran it the subsequent year, which is when you joined. And it's Part of what we want to do is about that building research capacity and thinking about how we kind of inspire people to get involved in in applying research in their everyday practice. Wonderful. Thank you. Joe, please tell us, what are people going to look forward to when they join you to do the elective? Oh, so this elective is absolutely brilliant. So building on from what Natalie says about gaining a broader sense and flavour of what clinical research entails, you get to actively be involved, you get to data collect, you get to observe research consent and become really familiar with this integral part of all research. And then you get to meet a range of really relevant research team and independent investigators of which I'm one. if you you get to join us and then you get to have all of these research focused coaching sessions and meetings within the NHS Trust within the University of Hertfordshire Research and Development Program as available and then you get to develop your own poster either on a particular project content or on a reflective piece that you've really enjoyed and contributed to in a project And then you can write a reflective account that's suitable for publication, which is the milestones, the groundings of good research is getting that information out there in multiple formats. It's fantastic. And I think the thing to say is 
these kind of opportunities are brilliant because it's not often you get to work so closely with senior researchers, particularly as an undergraduate student. So to work with Jo and her amazing research and not only see Jo's research from the back end in terms of the um, conduct of research, but also meeting the patients, you know, sitting with her in a clinic to understand that recruitment process and also the follow-up process and the impact, the positive impact that research can have on patients really has such a positive impact and you as part of the team because you are part of the team on this elective have a role in that positive impact and it's fantastic thank you one of the perceptions of going on to a research placement is that you have to be really smart and academically strong Is that true? I think the thing to say is that we will support you at whatever point you are in your learning. I think the key thing is enthusiasm. If you haven't got that, that's probably not the, you know, the placement for you because you need to be motivated to undertake self-directed learning because part of the program is that we give you webinars, for instance, that we recorded ourselves beforehand for you to go away. We give you things like practicing interviewing. So you will practice by interviewing some of the R&D colleagues or even some of you, you know, if you do it with another student, with your colleague there, and then we'll get you to do some analysis on interviewing. So you build up your qualitative skills. We'll get you to do, you know, a bit of analysis around, you know, drawing that out as well. So it's, it's very much that we will pitch it at your level, but you've got to be motivated and enthusiastic and want to learn add to that we all start at the beginning we really do and we are all continuing to learn throughout so wherever you are as Natalie said as long as you're motivated you will absolutely get so much out of this placement yeah so they should come in with the same type of level-headedness they go into with every other placement absolutely I think we've been really fortunate as well because we've had some amazingly motivated people to take part in the research placements thus far so my experience has been wonderful but I had first heard about these research placements with a colleague in Bristol she was working in Bristol at the time and they were doing something similar I'm not actually sure of the details of what they were doing but she mentioned that they'd got undergraduates involved and I thought this is brilliant and then Lisa and I sort of brainstormed it and then we came up with this is potentially what it could look like and we're really keen to sort of share the model as well so that's you know a piece of work for us to do is that we want to expand this and I know there's a lot of interest around the UK now in these kinds of approaches we're certainly not the only people but they're not that common so we want to you know push the envelope and get more people involved in these sorts of placements i agree it's a very unique opportunity another misconception of research when students look at the future and whether they have a chance in research is that you cannot be or it's not quite the norm to be uh, newly qualified in research. you want to debunk that one for us? Absolutely. So we have had newly qualified nurses and I think it's fair to say that's not common because most people come into research nursing having got a bit of a background in a particular area. But I mean, my vision, I'm, I'm not a research nurse by background, but my vision for research nursing would be that actually people can come into research nursing as a newly qualified nurse. But what I would say is research nursing is only one part of that journey into research. I went into research in a different way. So I became a nurse researcher a few years into my career, having been a clinical nurse for 
many years in the ICU. And for me, that was a perfect footing to sort of get into research. And I, I was really fortunate that I had a chief nurse who believed in clinical academic careers. This is a very long time ago now I'm talking. But anyway, I was really fortunate that somebody ahead of me had that vision and she was really keen to support people. And there are trusts around the country that have got placements for newly qualified nurses to go straight into their PhDs. I mean, this is something that we're thinking about these opportunities. We've got, well, I'm really hopeful that we've got chief nurse fellows coming where people will, newly qualified, be able to work with me 50% of their time, which would be an amazing opportunity. And the trust is really behind. We're just trying to sort out the logistics of that at the moment. But that's a piece of work that's coming. And another route for people to get involved in research and use it as a career. I'm actually going to turn that one on its head and say that research is integral to our everyday practice. So I am a very, very strong advocate of research being all the way through our patient journeys, all the way through everything we do, be it research into education, research into whether the strategy we're using is the right one, research into medication. All aspects of a patient journey has research underpinning it and has research driving it forward for excellence in care. So this type of placement, even if you are not really, really sure that you want to be a research career nurse, it will stand you in such good stead in the future because, as I said, research is integral to excellence in patient care and it is all the way through our patient journeys. I couldn't agree more, Joe, because, you know, one of the things that, in fact, we did a piece of work and I uh, published around this is this normalising research And I think normalising research emphasises that it should be seen as part of core clinical care. And I think the pandemic over the last year has exemplified that. We wouldn't be where we are with some of the advances around treatments and obviously vaccines without research being seen as core business. And it drives forward patient care. And I remember when I came to this trust, I said to the chief executive that one of my visions was that actually I want every nurse to feel comfortable using research in practice even if they're not doing it I want people to be comfortable using research in practice which is exactly what you've talked about there Joe. Absolutely. Wonderful. And what if a student says to you that well Will I be able to use my clinical skills when I come onto the research placement? I would say you absolutely will, because you'll be doing the clinical assessment skills. You'll be looking at that patient in front of you, working out whether it's appropriate for that person to be consented. You'll be looking at their body language. You may even be doing venipuncture. You may be doing physical assessment, you know, blood pressure, ECGs, all of those skills that are integral to, you know, thinking about that patient follow-up, that patient recruitment part of that you know, that research continuum. So you absolutely will be using those clinical skills. Absolutely. So in some of the trials that I run, every time the patient is met by one of our research team, they have a clinical assessment. So it is absolutely what you've said. It's venipuncture, it's blood pressures, it's assessing the patient themselves. It may be examining them. It's finding out holistically how they are, how they're doing, how they're getting on. All of those communication skills that you've been learning all the way through are integral to this and in fact they're imperative so absolutely you'll be using every aspect of your learning in this yeah and you'll also be exposed to innovation and I think that's the most exciting bit Mm. of research 
is that you get to see new bits of kit, you get to see new ways of doing things, and it fires you up. And, and, and me, for me, that's the one of the reasons why I love doing my research with my critically ill patients. I absolutely love it because I get excited every time thinking, and I'm, I'm sure, Joe, I'm sure absolutely. you're I, I, You can't see me, but I'm nodding ferociously <laughs> here. Absolutely. This is what drives us really loving this research is these innovations, these breakthroughs, these changes for our patients. It's fantastic because we do our research for our patients. They are central to all of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Our HSK pod listeners, you've had it from the queens of research themselves. (laughs) Please do join us next time as we talk about careers in research and what benefits those will also bring to you and what routes you can take from this point forward. Thank you. Over to you, Richard. What a fantastic message from Natalie and Joe. Thank you very much, Natalie and Joe, for coming to the HSK Student Pod to speak to HSK Pod listeners. I am sure our listeners are going to enjoy your message and will find it very useful, especially for the student listeners who had never heard of research placements. I'm also sure your message will be useful to other staff who may want to get involved and promote this type of placements. Your passionate message in the research field has indeed enlightened and inspired our listeners about research placements. We also thank Gloria for meeting and interviewing Natalie Anjo. Thank you, Gloria, for this enlightening interview. As a student who has already experienced the benefits of our research placement, we definitely thank you for getting in touch with us and for organizing this interview so that other students can hear about this type of placement. Thank you, Gloria. Continuing with our theme of inspiring and empowering you to get involved or interested in research studies or a career in research, for this month's professional spotlight we have our guest, Daniel Ramsey, one of the physiotherapy senior lecturers in the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire. Daniel is going to share a brief message that encourages us to get involved in research studies. I now hand you over to Jerry who had the opportunity to meet and interview Daniel. Thank you very much, Richard. We do indeed welcome Daniel Ramsey into the HSK Student Pod. Daniel, hi. Very warm welcome to the HSK Student Pod, and we're really delighted to have you on as a guest today. Hi, Jerry. Yes, it's Danielle here. Um, I'm really pleased to be here finally on the HSK Student Pod. It's taken a while. And how are you doing today, Danielle? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice and busy, but that's great. Excellent. Well, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself, what your position is in the university, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so my name's Danielle. I am physio lecturer at the University of Hertfordshire and also the programme leader of the undergraduate physio programme. I teach on both research and neurosciences modules. I'm also a paediatric physio by background, so that's my speciality, and I've also worked as a research physio before I came to UH. Wow, that's a lot of roles, Danielle. But we're, I think we're, we're mainly interested today in hearing you talk to us a little bit about that research role, both in your practice. Perhaps we could start 
with how you build that perhaps into the undergraduate programs and I believe you have a particular module on research methods that you use. Could you maybe talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure, Jerry. I teach on two different research modules. So in our kind of second year, so level five, we have a research methods module. And then in our third year, we have an applied research module. So first module is kind of introducing those research concepts. We think about both qualitative and quantitative research and trying to engage students in the importance of evidence-based practice, which I think over the last year has been actually probably much easier given the fact, you know, with coronavirus, with COVID, we're learning about this disease in real time. But that also means that the level of research that's being undertaken, you know, we can see quite easily now how, you know, all of these vaccines have come about because of really rigorous and important research. Teaching on these modules is really important, especially in healthcare, you know, for our autonomous practitioners of the future. Our students really need to understand and be critical of research to help develop their own ideas going forwards and to continually improve their practice. So yes, research methods starts that off. And then in third year on the module that I teach, we're then that's where our students then conduct both a qualitative and quantitative piece of research. Research mindedness is super important, isn't it, in all aspects of health and indeed in social work too. But it's not always the case that students or people early in a healthcare profession's career think about taking a research path. What would you say to encourage students that maybe a research career is something that they should might keep in mind? Yeah, well, I think it's all about being curious. And I think being curious, but also being able to ask new questions to continually want to do the best for your patients, you know, whether that's in health or social care kind of backgrounds is really important. And I think with all of our backgrounds, the patient is the number one person or that service user is the number one person. So it's about actually striving to do your best for them. And actually, that's not just about how to learn you know, how to do things. It's actually how to improve things going forward. So it is a bit tricky. I think research isn't at the forefront of most students' minds when they are thinking about their training. You know, they're concentrating more on what feels like their core modules, which is obviously very important. But it's then about really building that kind of critical thinking going forwards. But research careers, you're right. I don't think they're often number one for students, but I think students do have certain interests that are sparked throughout their course. And you never know how far that interest might get taken going forwards. I think, Danielle, you were telling me earlier that in your own physio practice that you took research as part of your own work and um, you did some practitioner research, physio research. And could you tell us about that and how you disseminated it? Well, I suppose my path into research actually came about following a postgraduate master's that I was doing. It was on one of my modules that I was learning about research and dissemination, which was all about, I suppose, how to critically appraise articles and how to embed evidence-based practice. 
And I'd recently seen a child with a very new condition to me. So I was used to seeing children who had cerebral palsy come through. Very easy to recognize that once you become more experienced in it. But this child had actually a very rare neuromuscular condition, which initially I just thought was developmental delay. So I used my own clinical practice. I hadn't come across that condition before. So obviously I went away, read up about it. And I wanted to learn how to assess that patient in the most effective way. So I looked to the research, you know, because the research papers help us find the most current information. So I then used that topic as a basis for my assignment, you know, just this novel patient. And I wanted to learn more. So I was looking into outcome measures that I could use for this patient. Then I've had a bit of an interest, I suppose, in research and thought maybe one day I'd like to work as a research physio, but didn't really know those jobs existed. I'd done as a band five physio, we always used to do kind of project work when we were on our clinical boards or our, our specialities rotations that we were doing. And, you know, we might do a clinical audit, those kind of things. But I just Googled research physio job after I'd just done this module. And there was this job that was basically the essay that I'd just written. So I thought, well, I think I need to apply for this job. And I ended up, yes, getting this job. Then eventually working to refine the outcome measure that I'd found from this paper. So I worked in this very rare condition called spinal muscular atrophy. And my research job was to improve the outcome measures in that condition. Yeah. So it all started with a patient, though, a patient that I'd never seen before and just wanted to find out more about. So I always go back to that. And now that research is available for other physios, that condition comes along. And so is it is it disseminated where people can find it? It's become part of a a regime or or pathway of care for such patients. Yes. So this particular condition, a drug became available for this condition a couple of years ago. And because NICE aren't too sure around the evidence around it, they put in place what's known as a managed access agreement, which is basically where they monitor the effectiveness of this medication through using many different robust outcome measures. So the scale that I developed along with international experts, I mean, that was the amazing thing about working in research is I was suddenly working with the world experts. You know, I hadn't worked in research before, but I'd got this job working with these people. So the outcome measure that we ended up developing called the the revised Hammersmith scale, that's now used in this managed access agreement for NICE. So NICE is monitoring the effectiveness of this drug whilst they're still trying to see if it's cost effective and such like. So yes, this scale, many years ago, the original version I did my essay on, This new version of the scale is now being used nationally across the UK to monitor the effectiveness and the physical abilities of these children with spinal muscular atrophy. So I feel very proud of that. Well, I think you should be. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic, Danielle. And it shows to me, I think, is precisely what you were saying at the beginning, that researching things is actually directly helping patients, helping the people that care for just as much as clinical practice is doing. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really exciting.
takes us back perhaps to the, the part that you're involved with at the moment, uh, skilling our students up with research-mindedness and research methods. So I'd like to delve a little bit further into that for our student listeners, perhaps who aren't physio students, but who are on in other programmes, and indeed some of our colleagues on other programmes. So while we've got you, we'll pick your brains and see if we can steal any of your ideas. So have you got any kind of things you might talk about that you think might be helpful to other programmes, other students who are not physio students, um, who are involving themselves or want to in research? How do you go about, for example, in the detail of the modules that you described, how do you think about exciting students in the field of looking at research methods? Okay. I suppose one thing I picked up upon, you know, that we heard a lot in the news over the last few years is fake news. You know, what is the actual evidence underpinning that news? So some of the techniques I suppose we've employed as a team over these research modules, especially the newer research modules at level five, is we would be picking out, okay, what's a recent healthcare headline that we've got? And let's then think, okay, within that headline, often you're finding there is a link to an article. Well, can we actually read that article? And what does that article actually say versus what the headline says? And often the big thing I went to usually at the start was thinking about the MMR jab and the headlines that we had with that, and then the quality of research that actually underpinned all of those headlines, and then the multiple papers that then had to come out to disprove the original paper and the original poor quality piece of research that was blasted all over the headline news. So using, I think, or thinking, you know, both students and staff using that to help engage students in the research, but actually helping students think, oh, this has appeared on this website. What is actually underpinning that? But then what we need to also do is then understand how to read that article. We have lots of articles that appear reviewed and that may be in very fancy journals, but actually how good is that piece of research and how much does it apply to my setting? Yes, I like that idea. And I suppose in terms of headlines, of course, during the COVID pandemic, there's an awful lot of publicity that is actually about research in in the medical science and and in healthcare. So so there's a lot of material there. That's, That's an excellent idea. What would your hope be, Danielle, for, say, future students? You know, if we could think a few years down the line, what would your hope be for students' involvement in research? Well, I think it would be great for students to become more and more involved in research, whether that is just through reading articles by themselves or in in their own little groups. When I was in clinical practice, we always had a journal club that we would be doing as part of our continuing professional development. And we tried to interweave that into our module here as well, you know, albeit used to help teaching and learning. But I think regularly reading research, but also becoming involved in research in different ways. We've seen with COVID and with the pandemic, there have been huge population based studies. You know, you've got the Office for National Statistics or you've got the Zoe study, which I've certainly been, you know, a participant just on an app, you know, putting in how well I feel every day. And I can see just by looking at things like that, 
you know, how actually research is helping people. And I think we're living in a time where it's actually much easier to show to students how important research is. We don't have to kind of boost that up anymore. We can see that playing out in all of our daily lives at the moment. But yes, my view or what I'd like to see for students is for them to be critical and be able to back that criticism up with evidence. And whether that's evidence they've read or that's a really robust argument for a new research project or a mini you know, service evaluation that they're doing when they're a band five physio. When I was band five physio, I did all of those projects and that really excited me to think, how can we develop going forward? So I think for students, it's just be critical, ask questions, you know, ask your lecturers, well, where has that come from? You know, that to me, a student who asks lots of questions, I'm happy with students who ask questions. There's never such a thing as a silly question. Students to also become more involved in research, either by creating research projects or mini projects that turn into bigger projects. It's just being interested and thinking outside the box comes along with research. Yeah. And your own enthusiasm and excitement for research comes across from you. And I I can see that that will transmit itself to students. But just finally then, Danielle, what would you say to students maybe to infuse them in the same way as you are enthusiastic about it? What can we say now to our students and indeed maybe to some of our um, staff colleagues as well? What is the excitement around doing research? I think it's you're asking questions and you're trying to find answers. I mean, my research is far more quantitative based. You know, I'm more of a numbers person. But there's also, you know, the qualitative side of research where you're actually exploring, well, what is the question in the first place? What are we looking into? And I think for our patients as well, sometimes we forget about that element and we just go with what we as professionals think. And actually, you know, we need to be patient centred. We need to be family centred. You know, it's not it's a person and the world around them in completeness. So I think for me, research is all about asking questions, trying to find out information. But then what's really important is sharing that with other people as well going forwards. That was terrific, Danielle, and I'm sure that that, the enthusiasm you have will transmit itself to students who are listening this afternoon. Well, Danielle, can I say thank you very much for joining us today for the HSK Student Pod. It's been a real pleasure, delight to talk with you and to listen to your views on research and the importance in practice and also in education here at the University of Hertfordshire. Very much, Jerry. I've really enjoyed being on the HSK Student Pod. And yes, good luck to all students undertaking any research. And I'm keen to see what you produce in the future. That's lovely. Thank you, Danielle. Goodbye. And over to you, Richard. A beautiful message from Danielle and Jerry. What an enlightening message you have left with our listeners, Danielle. Thank you so much for the useful information you have shared with us today. I am sure 
Our student listeners are going to take on your message and have been inspired in getting more interested in research studies. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing your experience, especially during this time, where we can see many current examples that show the benefits of research studies. Hopefully, we can see many of our students getting more interested in research studies. Jerry, thank you for giving us this beautiful interview. We always appreciate the time taken by our HSK pod interviewers. Thank you, Jerry. I wish to thank our guests, Gloria, Joe, Natalie, Danielle, Jerry, and Karen for the good messages they have shared with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. Also need to thank all other Anonymous staff members who have made this episode to be a success. Thank you for all your support and creative ideas. I know many students and staff in other schools are already off for their summer break. However, due to the nature of HSK courses, there are still many activities going on in HSK. Many of our HSK students are still on placements. Good luck to all those students still on your placements. And also, good luck to those who still have assignments or projects to complete for this academic year. To all our lovely final year HSK students, I know you have come to the end of your HSK journey and I hope you get the jobs and opportunities you've been working so hard for. I know your new chapter of life will not always be smooth. You just need to believe in yourself, reflect on what you go through, seek help and support and I'm sure you'll be able to go through those tough hurdles that you may come across. So to all our lovely final year HSK students, we wish you good luck in your new chapter of life you are soon to start. As we come to the end of this podcast, I just need to say, dear HSK pod listeners, look after yourselves, stay safe, enjoy the summer sunshine, find some relaxing time for yourself and your loved ones, doing things you enjoy in a safe environment. I wish you a good summer break. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family and friends. Thank you for joining us and for being part of this episode. As mentioned earlier, the podcast team will have a short break and will be back on air in September. Bye-bye from Richard, your host. Join us in September in our next HSK Student Pod, which will have something fresh and new to listen to.